1: How to defeat the PSYOP that's pitting poll workers against poll watchers. Campaign text messaging spam and Paul Pelosi and the illusion of evidence. You're listening to the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Top story is that the fight we've all been waiting for is just days away. A battle between arch rivals, hated enemies duking it out once and for all for the title. The right to crown themselves king of the polling place. This is what you would think is going on here. The poll workers versus the poll watchers, the fight of the century with the way the media has been hyping this mega mega poll worker insider threat to democracy this past week or so. Actually, the whole PSYOP really launched back when they did this tabletop the vote training simulation. The federal agency, the CISA, which was kind of like the event 201 for the midterms, they clearly want to provoke an incident at a polling place to justify this narrative, there's really no doubt about that when you look at these stories. And we will look at some of the stories and the evidence of this. We'll see what they're actually training people to do in some of these trainings, or at least they're telling us they are anyway. And they've rolled out the big guns to help fearmonger around this idea that election-denying poll watchers have sabotage and disruption on the mind. They got Barack, they got Biden, they got Hillary, and they've all been peddling this nonsense this past week in an effort that's clearly designed to create as much tension between poll workers and poll watchers and voters as possible, all of whom will be sharing the same space on Tuesday so that the slightest possible thing that happens could just erupt into chaos. That that seems to be what they're trying to create here. Think about that scenario. I mean, just imagine that you're a poll worker who believes that narrative, who swallows it whole 100%. All of them don't do that, of course. In fact, it's probably only a small percentage that do, but let's pretend just for a moment that we are one of those. We're at our polling location next Tuesday, working hard, trying to protect democracy and ensure no one gets their vote suppressed. And right there on the other side of the room, just a few feet away are the people who we're convinced are there to prevent us from doing the very thing that we're there to do. In our minds, they represent everything wrong with America. They want to destroy it. They want to sabotage us. They want to suppress the votes of minorities. They want to destroy the very democracy that we have vowed to defend. This is a war in our mind. We're in defensive lizard brain mode when we see them. And they're right there. We can feel their evil breath in the room. And they're watching us with their seedy little eyes all day long, just waiting for the right moment to pounce and cause chaos. Now that's going to be just a small number of people, but they only need a couple things to pop off somewhere to be able to frame election watchers as being these bad guys and support this narrative they've been propagating. So how is that person that we're imagining we are, how are they going to react and interact from the very start? If you see other people that way, as evil, trying to destroy you, are you going to have any good reactions or interactions with them? No, you're going to start off tense. It's going to be just ready to boil over from the moment that you interact with them. You're going to be rude to them. You're going to shoot them looks. Let them know you're watching them also. Make snide remarks. Be passive aggressive. Hard to have anything but conflict if people are in that frame of mind. For clarity, real quick, because I was not familiar with the differences in Poll Watcher and Poll Worker, Before this year, before the media started talking about them as though they are the frontline soldiers in a modern version of the first battle of Bull Run, it's going to happen next Tuesday. The big event. A poll worker, which is sometimes called, called an election official, is an official responsible for the proper and orderly voting at polling stations. They facilitate the voting. They check people in, explain the procedure, how the machines work. They provide ballots. And I think they do the hand counts after the fact, maybe. The skeptical view of poll workers would be that, for some of them anyway, they are there because they're trying to rig the election, to fix it. Poll workers, however, as I mentioned earlier, would say that they are there to protect democracy and ensure no one is getting their vote suppressed. That's probably going to be the case for most of them. There's probably going to be a small percentage that do want to cheat or that are like undercover FBI agents or provocateurs or something like that. A poll worker or watcher, excuse me, a poll watcher on the other hand, is someone who they do just that. They watch and monitor the voting process to make sure there's no funny business going on. And while the media would have you believe that they only do this because they want to threaten minorities and suppress their vote and sabotage the election, that's their only motive, the media would want you to think. They actually do it from their perspective to help ensure the integrity of the election. So for the most people involved on both sides of this, they're going to have good faith in their actions and no ill intent. There will be a few that do though. And those are the ones that will cause the problems. And I know those are simplistic explanations of those. I've never been in one of those roles. So I'm just giving my understanding of it. But what we will have in in the worst case scenario situation is two enemy groups, rivals crammed into the same room all day long, both assuming the worst of the other. Suspicion runs high. They're both on the ready to stop the other one from wrongdoing, that they know that the other is engaged in. And they also have to interact on and off throughout the day. That is a recipe for disaster. So imagine again that you're that poll worker who already thinks the poll watcher is evil. And everything's already tense just because of the, the mindset that they were primed to have. Now imagine what happens when when one of those poll watchers does what they absolutely have the power to do in some states and they challenge the eligibility of a voter's vote. Because they, for whatever reason, could be legitimate. There are many legitimate reasons to do that. Poll watching has been part of the process, a normal part of the process since like the founding of the country. But what's the worker going to assume? Are they going to assume that there is any legitimate reason for this? Absolutely not because they've been Taught not to. They've been taught that any challenge is a racist attempt to suppress the vote. And then what happens? I challenge. Why you're a racist bigot? Well, if that other person is also in a similar combative frame of mind, seeing the poll worker as evil, also, then they're going to be like, "Well, f you. No, I'm not." And that's that's how it starts. That's where the conflict point has been set up to be right there. So. Anything that happens, I'm predicting it's going to be triggered by a challenge. There's no doubt in my mind about that, actually. I mean, there could be other things that do too, but that is where they've really primed all of the the, the, the tense, the tenseness in the air and the conflict to happen. So I think the question is, if you're a poll watcher, how do you, for yourself anyway, what can you do, what can you control to avert this from happening in your polling location. Most of you probably won't have any experiences like this. Most of you will probably just have a normal day where nothing really crazy happens. But there might be a few of you that end up in the uh, the worst-case scenario with the, the craziest, most brainwashed, progressive poll workers. So how could you possibly help prevent something from blowing up? Because the whole idea behind this PSYOP is to make the poll watchers look like mega mega trumpers anti-fascist or semi-fascist anti-democratic want to destroy the country basically and they they're going to be looking for any reason to justify that narrative so what what can you do if anything i'm going to tell you uh, i'm going to go through a few stories real quick that illustrates how these poll watchers are being brainwashed i mean just extraordinarily I, if you read these articles or if somebody read these articles and they don't recognize that. This is an obvious attempt at dividing and conquering us by brainwashing a segment of the population. Then I don't know what will, because it could not be more clear in these articles I'm about to go through. And then after that, I'm going to tell you what I'm fairly certain can be done to help avert this, because there's already examples of it working successfully.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
1: All right, check out this story from the AP. Here's the headline. Pole workers train for conflict. A little nervous? I am. Ooh. The article focuses on a last minute training session that 20 or so poll workers are going through about how to handle conflict that arises between themselves or voters and their evil counterparts, the poll watchers. During the training, the facilitator asked the trainees, she says, so who's worried about observer disruptions? Notice how the premise here is that it is the poll watchers who will be doing the disrupting and that they, the workers, are de facto good, angelic heroes. She says, who has read things or heard things on the news and you're a little nervous? I am. I'll raise my hand, she said, smiling as she raised her hand. Like she says it right there, by the way. She asked, who has heard things on the news and the media? So that means if you believe it and buy into it, then you accept that what the media is telling you is in good faith and is true, which we know that it's not. Also. That little maneuver she did there to raise her hand as a a facilitator, that is a specific facilitation tactic used to get people to agree with you and make them think they're wrong if they don't. So she's doing that in the group to signal, you should be worried. And if you're not raising your hand, then you don't really know what this threat is. That is a very intentional manipulation technique there. After she asked the question and raised her hand, a few of the workers raised their hand as well which I find that good that only a few of them did. Cause typically in those situations, I've done some improv corporate training stuff. You can get everybody in the room to raise your hand. I mean, you really can So the fact that only a few of them did to me, that, that tells me that some of them are like, this is BS. I'm not buying into this. Hopefully that's the case. The article then goes on to say that they're not alone in their concerns. Election officials across the country are bracing for confrontational poll watchers. Again, it's always confrontational poll watchers, this is the assumption, are are bracing, they're, they're bracing for it, like they're they're on the Titanic and they see the iceberg and they know it's about to slam into something. Election officials across the country are bracing, bracing for confrontational poll watchers fueled by lies about the legitimacy of the 2020 election spread by former President Donald Trump and others. Even after Trump's loss was upheld by repeated reviews, audits, and recounts, and courts rejected the legal challenges. So outside of the fact that there are a lot of misleading statements and assertions in that paragraph, what's the point of having this in an article like this other than causing conflict and creating paranoia and making people ready to react to this stereotype of a person they're creating and not the actual people they're going to be interacting with. So this, these descriptions will be projected onto the poll watchers by those who are in this training and buy into this. So they will never actually see those individuals for who they are. They will see them as this, as a stereotype, this demonization program they're, they're doing here. So there's no other reason to put this in here other than to try and cause conflict and division. No doubt about it, AP. And look at this. Later in the article, they reiterate almost the exact same thing. The same concept worded a little bit different differently. They say, election officials nationally so before it was election officials across the country, and this is the same article. Now it's election officials nationally are concerned about the flood of conspiracy theorists signing up to work as poll watchers. With some groups that have spread lies about the 2020 election, they are actually recruiting and training watchers, particularly in swing states like Wisconsin. Why include that again? If you are not trying to cause conflict and division, is the AP trying to unite the country, trying to make people feel good, trying to make people see people for who they are and not the stereotypes they're propagating? No, absolutely not, because the whole program is division, conflict, incitement. Listen to this description of the training. To prepare her election workers, they're, they're her election workers. She owns them. And quite honestly, with this brainwashing, anybody who believes this stuff, she does, in fact, own. To prepare her election workers for potential confrontation with poll watchers, the facilitator then demonstrated how to tape off sections where observers can stand. Now I demonstrate for you how to use tape, which is between three and eight feet from the voter check-in and registration areas. And she demonstrated how to do that when faced or confronted with a poll watcher who might be trying to get a little too close. So let's think about that piece of training there. They're teaching them that if they see a pole watcher get 2.9 feet away, I guess they'll have it measured out. they have the ruler with the pole. They're going to be walking around measuring distances on the ground, I guess, crawling around all day. And the second they think someone is too close, they are to walk over there and promptly stop the wrongdoing by this pole worker with tape. Rush over there Pull out your tape and start laying it on the ground. What would you do if that happened to you? You're just standing there and all of a sudden some frantic weirdo comes over and pulls out some scotch tape and maybe some duct tape and starts taping off in front of your feet. You'd be like, what the F is this person doing? What's wrong with them? Are you okay? I mean, what a weird thing to tell people to do. Is there any scenario where that doesn't trigger some sort of conflict? I mean, with me, I would laugh at it. I would like, I have a whole mindset that I'm going to talk about to deal with this type of stuff in a way that can actually help them wake up to the whole propaganda scheme, which I'll talk about in a minute. But what a strange thing to teach people to do. And it it seems as though the premise is that instead of creating boxes or lines of distance where they can stand before, like this is your area that you're allowed to stand in to make everything clear so that confusion and tension doesn't rise later, that, that they are instead to leave everything vague And they are to assume by their eyeball test from a distance, whether or not someone is too close, something they won't be able to to prove unless they actually get out a ruler and start nitpicking over 2.8 versus three feet. And then they're supposed to obnoxiously tape a box around them because they have now lost their privileges to not be standing in a taped box. What a strange piece of training. What a provocation. They're training them to unknowingly Provoke the the other side is what they're doing. That is all that is. And it's being taught to them under the guise of protecting the voters. What a crock of S. The facilitator then said, (laughs) take your tape and make a line and say, this is the observer area. This is just a demonstration of, of authority is what they're trying to tell them to do. Then the facilitator demonstrating how to use the tape because only trained election officials know how to properly use tape. And the facilitator says, this is the observer area. Or make a box and say, please don't leave this area. And then she tells her trainees that violators of this rule get a warning. And then if they do it again, if they step outside that box that was just created. They are ordered to leave. And then if someone refuses to leave, the police are called. So how do you think someone who's a poll watcher, who hasn't mentally prepared themselves to react to this insanity... How do you think they're going to respond to someone who just comes up and does that? And how do you think the poll worker is going to do it? You think they're going to calmly walk over and go, look, dude, this is weird, but I'm going to get in trouble if I don't put tape on the floor around you. We're just trying to measure off the three feet thing. We should have done it before. I know. Are they going to do it like that? Are they going to storm over there and try and display their authority? and trying to demean the poll watcher. Probably the latter, if they've bought into this all the way. And how is the poll watcher likely to respond? Probably viscerally. You have to be mentally prepared for this scenario as a poll watcher to not have a visceral reaction. She's teaching them to create a situation that almost definitely, at the very least, is going to trigger verbal combat, an argument where voices get too high, people start pointing their fingers at each other, poking each other's chest. Does somebody not raise their hand and go, won't that cause a fight? Shouldn't we do this before they get there? And here is maybe the worst part, the most insidious part of the training. I mean, this is awful right here. It says, the trainer also walked the poll workers through how to handle challenges to voter eligibility based on race. This is part of the training. Then it says that such challenges are unacceptable and should get a warning as frivolous any observer who makes a second such challenge would be ordered to leave. What's the flaw in the logic here? Challenge is based on voters' race, really? This is this is what they're teaching? I'm pretty sure there's not a poll watcher in the country that doesn't know that they can't challenge someone's, some voters' eligibility to vote based on race. I don't think there's people operating under the assumption that that is something they can do. They're not going to be poll workers somewhere going, stop, I challenge this man's eligibility to vote. On what grounds, sir? Isn't it obvious he's a colored person? I'm pretty sure that's not happening once, let alone twice. So they're preparing them for a scenario that is not going to happen. It's an imagined fiction. It's a fantasy. Yet they're being told how to react and respond to it. Why? because they want to condition these poll workers to assume that no challenge made by a poll watcher is legitimate and that every time is actually just a racist attempt at voter suppression. That They want that to be the knee-jerk reaction to any challenge, despite the fact that poll watchers, as I said, have been a part of the process, a normal part since the founding of the country, basically. And that there are legitimate reasons for challenges. Better to take care of the problem now so they can correct it than let it slide and have it possibly come up after the election and cause a problem then, right? This is brainwashing is what this is. Training for scenarios that aren't real so that they see this false reality, they project it into the real world and manifest the conflict. That's what they're being trained to do. This is insidious. A quick summation of what these people have been trained in. It's an emergency training on how to deal with conflicts started by poll workers. They made that clear, premised on the idea that all poll workers are mega, MAGA, election-denying, horrible people intent on destroying democracy and sabotaging the vote who will definitely get too close to voters and who will no doubt challenge the eligibility of people because of their race. These people aren't being trained on how to be good poll workers. They're being indoctrinated into seeing a reality that isn't there, one that could actually lead to the manifestation of this said reality, which is the whole point of the PSYOP. And interestingly enough, we continue with the article, is when a problem does arise, something that they say is a problem, they won't have to go far to call in the authorities to deal with it because federal law enforcement will also be on standby for assistant U.S. attorneys are assigned to oversee election day in Wisconsin and deal with threats of violence to election staff and complaints of voting rights concerns. And the FBI has stationed agents throughout the country to address allegations of election fraud and other election abuses. This is according to the U S department of justice notice in the language again, there that the federal law enforcement is there to protect the election workers, the poll workers says nothing about them protecting the poll watchers because we all know that they too have to view the poll watchers as mega mega awful, whatever. That's the real intimidation right there. You walk into a voting precinct or you're a poll watcher and you look over to your left, you look over to your right, and there's a couple of black suit feds with dark shades on keeping their eye on you. Let's look at a couple more headlines here just to show this really indoctrination brainwashing program this is from northwestern university here's the headline heading to the polls be prepared for disruptions long lines experts say there have been reports of confrontations between voters and poll watchers for some weeks now as if election suspicious poll watchers hanging out at polling locations wasn't enough disruptive paranoia for one election cycle there have also been reports of armed vigilantes intimidating voters at ballot drop-off sites. This all comes as election workers are quitting in mass amid an increase in threats and harassment. Notice how they said alleged because that whole intimidation story was a bit strange and lacked a lot of, I would say, evidence and detail, which is why they qualify it all the time when they talk about it. Northwestern Assistant Professor of Law, Blaine Saito, who will be working the polls this coming Tuesday in Boston, this person, male or female, I have no idea, says challenges to voter eligibility, which appear to be happening at an unprecedented rate this cycle, can derail the process. The good professor goes on to elaborate on the nuisance that are eligibility challenges, saying challenges can come in the form of direct complaints from citizen poll watchers during real-time voting, which tie up election staff or mass legal challenges brought by activist groups and others. Given the current political climate, Saito says, oh, it is a he, he anticipates more challenges to voter qualifications in the coming days and precincts across the U.S. And this is obviously leading to the idea that a challenge is actually a racist attempt at voter suppression. That's, I mean, they've only been around for hundreds of years. How could we not have known until now? Another headline real quick. From the New York Times, activists flood election offices with challenges. Groups fueled by right-wing election conspiracy theories are trying to toss tens of thousands of voters from the rolls. They are just going to beat the system into the ground, said one election official. Another headline here, election officials brace for confrontational poll watchers. Again, this is the same wording that was used in the other article. That's actually a separate article in the AP. And again, notice how the poll workers are the ones that are confrontational. It's always assumed, never questioned. When it's very obvious that the poll workers are the ones being primed to do something. And And they'll think they're like a hero, vigilante, too. Okay, so that's the mentality they're trying to create. And this is the way they're trying to create it. One of the ways, anyway. And you already knew that. You already knew that they're trying to make people think like that. And it's just interesting to see the techniques that they're using. That they're calling this a training. We're training you to be good poll workers. Like that's the assumption, the premise anyway, when they're absolutely not. They're training them to be very, very bad poll workers, very paranoid poll workers who presume that poll watchers who are also there to try and do a job that needs to be done, that historically has been done. They're like Nazi evil people. And they're preparing them to be unwitting provocateurs, under the guise of thinking they're protecting democracy from some evil threat that is just all a fabrication in their minds. Fortunately, this doesn't work on everyone who does trainings like this. Probably most of them, it doesn't. A small percentage, it does. And what's really great is, and they might not have anticipated this, it also, because of the way they've done this, specifically when it comes to the election, it presents a fantastic opportunity to help break these people free from their programming, to help them, make them start questioning what these sources and, and their politicians or political leaders they've trusted so much are telling them, like, a, like one of the best opportunities to do that, specifically if you're a poll watcher, because here's why. We saw the description of the person that they're going to view you as. They're not going to view you as you, the ones that are fully propagandized. They're going to view you as that mega-maga Nazi anti-fascist who's there to destroy everything person. And they're going to be ready. They're like, they're ready to see it. And they know what they're going to do. They've imagined it a thousand times. They've told their friends, they said, I know what I'm going to do when one of those mother effers steps up and one of them starts challenging the election because they're racist and they don't want black people voting. I'm going to walk right over and I know what I'm going to do when they get 2.9 feet away from somebody. I'm going to call my tape and I'm going to rip my tape off of that. And I'm going to put a box around and say, you stay, you sit and you stay, Nazi. They've imagined that like a thousand times and they're expecting it. And they're expecting their combativeness to be responded to with combativeness, although they won't even perceive it as them initiating it. They won't realize that their their very aura is just like tense and causing people to be like, what's wrong with this person? So when they are viewing and reacting to a stereotype, not a real person, and all these assumptions come with that, all you have to do is recognize what that stereotype is and what those assumptions are, which we've been talking about those. And then just, Don't respond to the provocations. Just react differently. Defy the expectations that they've been told for months and in these trainings that that is going to happen to them without a doubt. And when you do that, they say, wait a minute, that's not what I was told to expect. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you another story here that illustrates this. This is a story from the Daily Kos, which is a very progressive website. And it details a poll watcher's experience as a Democrat poll watcher who has been doing some poll watching in Savannah, Georgia during the early voting process the past few weeks. Here's what he says. He says, My my experience at the time was pretty uneventful. The two polling places where I was assigned were both well-run and everyone was friendly, polite, and professional. Despite that, I wasn't fully confident that my experience this time would be the same. In fact, my girlfriend, who had served with me as a poll watcher in 2020, so he was talking about his previous Poll watching experiences. My girlfriend, who served with me as a poll watcher in 2020, refused to come with me this time around. She was convinced that the voting environment would be changed in Georgia and that we'd be threatened by angry, armed election deniers, some, <laughs> something like that kind of thing that we've been hearing about in Arizona. And this is what I'm talking about. So this girl refused to do it, allegedly, if we believe the story, refused to do it because of that stereotype that she imagined she would be confronted with, and he decided to go for it anyway. Here's what he says about it. I'm happy to say I saw nothing like that during my period of poll watching. Just as before, everyone was polite, professional, and friendly. I did not witness a single instance of anyone being angry or abusive. A major part of the credit for this has to go to the professionalism of the Georgia poll workers, which at least at the polling site I was assigned to were nearly all black women. This was also my experience in 2020. He then goes on to say this. To me, though, the most interesting part of my experience this time was the presence of Republican poll watchers. In 2020, although I knew of the existence of Republican poll watchers, I never encountered one in any of my poll watching assignments. This time, my experiences, was, my experience was the opposite. And there was not a single hour when I was not sitting next to a Republican counterpart. wonder what happened. He says... Somewhat surprisingly, this turned out to be the most rewarding part of my experience in Georgia. I enjoyed all the conversations I had with the people I sat next to. Most of them were old white guys like myself, and we connected over things like our military experience during v- during the Vietnam War, work history, stuff like that. In one week, I probably had more extended conversations with Republicans than I had had in the previous 10 years. Rather than the stereotype of people immersed in a MAGA QAnon bubble, they impressed me more as what I generally consider to be traditional Republicans. So instead of having a Nazi destroy his life and destroy democracy, it turned out to be a rewarding experience that he totally surprised him and defied expectations. He then says this, though. He says, that doesn't mean, though, that we had a common view of politics or voting issues or the purpose of poll watching. For Democrats, our training to be poll watchers emphasizes that we need to assure that every voter is able to vote and not interfered with in any way. This is not the focus for Republicans who are primarily concerned with guaranteeing the integrity of the election. Imagine that. People can disagree and yet still get along and view the overall experience as a rewarding one that surprised them, pleasantly surprised them. And look at some of the comments here on this article. I tell my Republican friends we really do have more in common than not. And how we get there may be different, but we, but we really want the same thing. Glad you wrote this. I was a poll watcher in 2020 and I did not partake this election due to all the chaos in my personal life, but I will be back in 2024. Thank you. Here's another one. Yeah. I'm a Georgia voter. I voted early last week. Wasn't sure what to expect. I'm in a Northern Atlanta suburb, lots of Trump supporters, but it went smooth. They even sang a song for my daughter, a first time voter. Last one. Great story. I love these boots on the ground narratives that give a bit of realism and calm. Thank you for your work. And those aren't the only comments. There was comments that were, were what you might think of from progressives saying, how could you say that? How could you say Republicans are okay? I'm just highlighting the fact that there are exceptions to what they tell us the rule or the stereotype is. In fact, there's a lot of them. And the reason that all of this is a good thing, as I mentioned earlier, is this guy was set up to expect the worst case scenario and it even prevented his girlfriend from doing it because she expected that. And they expected that because of trainings like this and because of what the media has propagated. And it turned out to be the complete opposite, to defy those expectations completely to his surprise. And when something like this happens, when you've been told definitively to expect something very specific and very bad and that does not happen, And it actually is, it's like when you know somebody in college or just in your circle that you don't know all that well, and you have these assumptions about them, you don't like the person, but then you, by happenstance, end up hanging out for a little while and you're like, man, I never really liked you, but you're really cool. And you end up being buddies. It's kind of like that. And what this does when this happens, especially in this context, is that it is likely to make someone like the guy who wrote that story there, make them question why They were primed to have such expectations in the first place of everything awful, which they were primed by the media and their political leaders. And that will no doubt make them more skeptical about what they're told by these media outlets and these politicians in the future. Because the last time it happened and they believed them, it turned out to be totally opposite to their surprise. And that results in more questioning of their authorities. And that opens the door to truly I don't even want to say woke, but to truly seeing what's really going on here, the illusion that they're trying to create. And this is the opportunity right here. Because if what these poll, so these poll workers that you're all going to be con, you know, confronted with, or you're going to be in the same room as the worst case scenario ones, the ones that have accepted that programming, you know exactly what their expectations are, everything that will validate the stereotypes. If what these poll workers experience with you next week, if it defies all of the awful expectations that they've been primed to expect, they will be like, huh? That was it, I was I was ready to fight, man. And and this was like a really cool person. Why why did they tell me that I was about to have to fight a bunch of Nazis? Why why was I ready to to beat up a bunch of 75-year-old grandmas? With swastika tattoos, I did not see one swastika tattoo on any of their asses, and I I inspected all of them. This forces people who've been programmed to expect these things to start questioning those who programmed them in the future. Without you having to actually lay out any of the details of anything, they're not going to listen to that. They're only going to remember their experiences. That's how I go in viewing this. That that, I would see this as an opportunity. Some people might see it as, "Oh, we're going to have to deal with these people." That's how they're viewing it. They're viewing it with, "You're going to have to deal with all this." Horrible, horrible thing! This great evil. They're, they're viewing it like a war. Like they're going to fight a war and they're on the front lines. If you view it that way too, then conflict is almost definitely going to happen because both people have their, their dukes up. They're ready to fight. But if instead you view it as like an opportunity to defy their expectations, thus exposing the media and their political leaders as liars who told them something that wasn't true, obviously, and they experienced this, the fact that it wasn't true then they will go home and they will tell their friends. They will say, yeah, it was nothing like I expected. They were just cool people who have different opinions. The key is to like start with that mentality. Even if you end up not having to deal with that, which most of you probably won't, then that's just a pleasant surprise for you. But if you start with a mindset where I know I'm going to be going in and dealing with the craziest, most mind-controlled liberal poll worker who's ever lived, and they are going to Insult me. They're going to accuse me of being racist. They're going to call me a bigot. Maybe even a Nazi. They might even threaten to call the police. They might, at one point, just lose it and start taping squares on the ground and trying to get me to stand in them. And they might even be so upset that spit's flying out of out of their mouth. And they might wave their finger at me, even do a finger pointing thing. Just presume you're going to have the worst case scenario and be mentally ready knowing you're going to be provoked all day, to not react in a way that justifies everything they've been told. I mean, here's what I would do. I, I'd think of all the horrible things, as I said. Then I'd imagine how I could react differently than my normal response might be. I know what my typical responses might be. I'd ju- I'd be just as like argumentative and I'd start making fun of them. That's typically what I'd do. But I would know that I can't... I, that's off the table. Like ta- I, I would take that reaction off the table. My normal response, because they're banking on basic human responses, lizard brain responses to be triggered and then justify everything. So I would completely remove that from the table because that's what they want. So if you take it off the table, they can't get it. And to help me do that, I would remind myself that it's not personal. The things they're saying to me aren't personal and I don't need to take them personal, even if they sound like insults. Like it literally is not personal. In this scenario, the way they would be acting towards you has nothing to do with you. They don't even know you at all. They haven't even looked or listened or been present with you as an individual at all. All they have done has been programmed with a stereotype in their minds, as that guy said in that article. And they are simply reacting to that stereotype, which is completely separate from you. So even though you are the one who is hearing it, none of that has to do with you personally. So it shouldn't be taken personal because when we take it personal is when we start reacting in ways that justifies their narrative. So... I would remind myself that it isn't personal. So, like, if somebody accused me of being racist and trying to suppress, I would probably—I don't know—I would be very calm. I'd take a breath, and I would probably be like, "Look, man or woman," I wouldn't say "Look, woman." I would say, "Look, dude. Look, they. Whatever their name is. Look, Gary. Look, Gary." I I get that you're making sure that everyone gets their vote counted. I want the same thing. That's why I have to challenge this, so we can correct it now. Because I don't want it to become a problem after the fact. We know all the problems that happened last time conspiracies and stuff. I, I. That's why I'm doing this. And here's exactly why. I'm going to show you exactly why I'm doing this. And if you show me that I'm wrong, then then I'll I'll, um, I'll take it back. Uh, it's fine. But based on my understanding, uh, this is why. And I would lay it out for them. I'd be very calm and I wouldn't even address the slurs or the, the racist stuff or whatever insults. Are, because the insults are specifically to get you off focus on the subject and to get you to be emotional. And so I wouldn't even address that because it doesn't matter. And I might even thank them if I felt I could do it genuinely. That's the whole thing. You got to be genuine about it. You got to be like, you just got to be cool, man. You just got to be like, cool and nice. And you got to push down the instinct to get down and start doing the argumentative stuff because that, that's what they want. That's what they need for this to work. So can't give it to them. Obviously, you have to feel out how the person is. And, and you, know, you adjust your communication based on the person you're talking to, which is something that they're not going to be doing until you break them from their script. And you break them from their script by being a super cool, friendly, respectful person who doesn't respond to their combative initiations or their looks. I think the whole thing is to just look past all of the preconceptions of whoever they are, know that the stuff that they're propagating is a product of them being manipulated. And it's not personal, the stuff they're saying to you and see through all of that to the human being, the uniqueness of them and react and respond that way in a respectful manner knowing That it could knowing that everybody's in a weird situation. And and the most important part, in my opinion, is they're human beings. We're all human beings. The whole demonization program that they've done is, is to make us not see each other as human beings, as stereotypes instead. Their entire job, whether they know it is or not, is to get a reaction out of us that makes us look like the stereotypes and justifies narrative. My entire goal for being there would be to make them go home and tell their friends it was awesome. Like it was nothing like I expected. They'd like to provoke a real fight, these people, the media, our politicians. They might even conduct a false flag in case they're worried that they can't. Let's at least force them to do that. Let's for, let's be so freaking cool and so kind and respectful that we ease all of these tensions and we shock all of these progressives because of how cool everybody is. And force them to do a false flag if they have to because we can we can expose that. Next story, if you're like me, then you've been getting text message notifications that have been going off all the time. It is a never ending, relentless onslaught of text message notifications. And it's never from like a friend saying, Hey, what's going on? Are you cool? Or maybe it is, but it gets buried and lost. It is always from like, Hey, Herschel Walker here. I'm standing for your values. You want to chip in $30? Or this is Donald Trump, the president. Why haven't you returned my text? Or why haven't you donated? Whatever. Or uh, just just endless amount of text. I just want to read a few. I want to see if you, you guys can relate to any of these. Here's one Indivisibles. The campaigns may be done on Tuesday, but our work continues. Chip in to help us keep fighting MAGA extremism. So it's not over. We get to keep fighting MAGA extremism. Here's another one. Kamala here. This team is the backbone of the Democratic Party, and I couldn't be more grateful. Chip in $20 to power the DNC. This one is from the Warnock campaign. You haven't voted. Vote Warnock by 11-8 as he has the integrity and honesty to do right by you. Do you really want a candidate that lies about his values? I would like one that doesn't send me a text telling me I haven't voted yet. Is that the kind of integrity he has? They, they go and they figure out who's voted and they send a text saying, you haven't voted. I got some stuff in the mail during the 2020 election cycle that was like a flyer that'd say, hey, why haven't you voted yet? All of your neighbors around you have voted. Like There's going to be like a mob come after you if you don't vote which F that, give me a break. Literally, it's the most illogical thing. I get it. I get why people say we need to vote. But like I also understand that we live in a country where we're told that it is our civic duty to, even if we know absolutely nothing about a candidate, never even heard of them, ever, to vote for them because they have a D or R by their name. It's our civic duty to vote for a person we know literally zero about, never seen their face, anything. While at the same time, in the same country, it's racist to do your own research. That is a little bit illogical, okay? The fact that we encourage people to get out the vote, get out the vote, get out the vote, drive the bus, drive the ice cream, get a hooker, get out the vote, smoke some weed, get out the vote, whatever. They'll do anything to get you to get out the vote, and they'll do everything to make sure you're not informed about it. Here's another. Hi, Andrew. Who's Andrew? Team Abrams here. Come see Stacy and 2 Chains in Atlanta. Wear purple and pop out this Saturday. Let's get it done. Kristen, there are 48 hours left to vote early in Georgia. From voting rights to the economy, there's so much at stake this election, and we need fierce leadership from our elected officials. Can we count on you to show up to the polls? Stop to end. Forward that to the Christens, I know. Please, friend, President Trump needs you, all caps, to update your voter verification canvas survey. Update it. I don't think I've ever done one. What is Trump's middle name? A, Jacob. B, James. C, Jasper. D, John. Click here to publish your answer. Obviously, that's a little bait and switch trick. Obviously, his name's John. I wish it was Jasper, though. Donald Jasper Trump. But you're probably going to click on that, and then it'll take you to some campaign fundraising thing, if I had to guess. One more. Hi, Johnny. This is Gail with Women's March. Hi, Gail. This Saturday, we're protesting for our rights and getting fired up for the midterms. We want Georgia to come in strong. So we're asking, will you organize an action this weekend in your town? P.S. You can reply stop to opt out. I'll I'll organize some action uh, this weekend. That's what they want. A little action for the Women's March. All right. In the final story today, we're going to talk about Paul Pelosi and the illusion of evidence. But before we do that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the DMBXR, which is the subscriber only portion of the show, which is we're going to talk about what Hillary Clinton thinks we should do about Putin. And we're also going to talk about how we're actually being told, quite literally, that the only way we can save our democracy right now is by being anti democratic. If you want to get access to that subscriber only portion of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. What you will get is along with the subscriber only portion of the show, you will get this show, the drive time news blast ad free. I take all the ads out for subscribers and it goes together in one feed. So the show will be longer because they're put together and it goes straight to your personal Patreon feed, which you can put in any podcast app that you use and that's how I support the show and I appreciate everybody who has stuck with me through Patreon as I've gone through a transition over this past six months or so. It's been, um, it's been a challenge and I've learned a lot and I'm getting better at a lot of it. So thank you guys for sticking with me and for your continued support. And another way you can support the show is you can give a five-star review on iTunes and you can leave a warm message that, Motivates me and keeps morale high. It really helps me to see the kind things that people say. I appreciate it, and it motivates me to keep on battling and keep on bringing you guys and some content and the news. And uh, thank you. All right, now on to the final story of the day. So we've heard a lot of talk about this Paul Pelosi story, the break in, the whitey tidies, the hammer struggle, the hammering. Who opened the door? Which way did the glass break on the window? Whatever the conspiracies this whole thing seemed like a setup to me in the beginning it was just bait which i felt like so that's why i didn't really engage in any of much of the talk about it on social media but they keep doing what they do when something is bogus like all of the signs of something being bogus are like coming through here we haven't really seen pictures the people interviewed who have seen video like they're on like msnbc cnn their reactions are like It kind of shows something, but you can't really see anything. They're not confident at all in describing what they saw. And the reporting on it is weird. Like NBC had a story about Paul Pelosi opening the door himself and letting the police in. And then they retracted it or something like that. Just a lot of strange stuff. And there was another story, or this is actually a video from CBS News, I believe. This is the headline on the video. This is why I clicked the video. The Pelosi home break-in caught on security cameras. What would you expect in a video that had that title when you clicked on it? I mean, like I said, that's the the whole reason I clicked on it is because the title makes the, it it seems to promise that you're going to see a video of the break-in on security cameras, which is what we've all wanted to see, which is why they use that headline because they knew that that would get people to click only to then very much disappoint people. They should have had on this headline, the Pelosi home break-in call on camera. We won't be showing it to you because they didn't show you any video. And that is exactly what, this is the illusion of evidence. It's a headline that suggests that a video exists that would confirm the story, yet nobody's really seen it. And a lot more people see that headline that don't click on it. So in their mind, they just assume, "Oh, there's that evidence. And you see... Illusionary evidence after illusionary evidence that actually don't have anything underneath them to back them up, but because there's just so many of them and they're repeated so frequent, frequently, they become truths in people's minds. The reality is that we've seen no video of the break-in. We've seen no images of Paul Pelosi. We've seen no police body cam footage. The only evidence we've seen that this attack happened is a broken window and some odd 911 calls that we heard. And yes, the guy allegedly confessed, sort of. I don't care. People make false confessions all the time. There's literally documentaries and police shows on how people make false confessions. People make deals all the time. People are operatives sometimes. I'm betting this guy takes a deal, if I had to guess. They almost always do. Maybe he was compromised. I don't know. I just know this. The more they tell us about the evidence of this attack without actually showing us any evidence of this attack, the more I'm leaning towards believing that this whole thing is an elaborate hoax designed to serve the narrative that election deniers and conspiracy theorists are trying to destroy the country. The timing's a little weird. The backstory's weird. The evidence is not there. With that said, that could also be a setup so with these things now, I've come to look at them as sometimes they're just too obvious of a setup. And there's been a couple stories. I can't remember one. There's one not long ago that I saw that one. And I was like, no, people are thinking that's fake. I, I don't think that's fake. No, it was the, um, the abortion one, the 10-year-old girl. Where people started saying uh, writing articles about how there's no evidence that she existed. And I was like, they're going to release that. They were, they were withholding it. So to get people to question it, so they could then release it and demonize them. And that seemed obvious to me at the time. And so I always keep that possibility in mind. I think that they're probably still working out the best way to do that, to make people, to make it not, not as obvious of a setup so that people do question it and then they can drop the evidence on them now maybe that'll happen here and we will get evidence but right now i'm leaning towards fake to be honest with you i don't i don't think it was a gay sex thing i don't think it happened at all at at best it was in my opinion a staged thing that they got a few shots of that are very confusing and maybe a little bit of camera footage that you can't decipher anything from now i'm open to being wrong on that if they produce evidence but and i hope that i hope that's what it is because I don't want Paul Pelosi to, to freaking I mean to get hit with that's another thing too. He's an 82-year-old man getting smashed with a hammer, fracturing his skull they said. That, and nobody seems like that concerned about it, you know. That that would seem like a, a critical injury possibly, but everybody just seems oh it's fine and he's already back home, he's out of the hospital. It's all very strange. It it doesn't make sense to me. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the drive time news blast. We will continue this in the DMB XR, which again you can Subscribe to it at PropagandaReport or Patreon.com slash Report to get that content. And uh, you can check out the PropagandaFight.com, my website. Thank you guys for listening and watching. And we will talk to you next time. Have a, hold on, fantastic rest of your day.